You are listening to Couples Unedited, a place where we get real with couples and learn to love without a filter. Okay, we're live. Hi, and welcome to Couples Unedited. Um, I'm here with my friends Courtney and Austin today, and they are going to tell you their story about persistence and discernment. Um, and I'm going to let you in, let them introduce themselves. Say hello, guys. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hi. Okay, so if you want to just go ahead and introduce yourselves and tell me a little bit about who you are and kind of what you do and yeah. Okay. Um, okay, I'm a youth minister in Oklahoma City. Um, I went to St. Greg's. That's where we met. Yes. Um, that's where I met Brittany. And but I, I graduated from Benedictine College with a degree in theology. Um, I was homeschooled. I have two younger brothers. Yeah. I guess it's good, you know, basically. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I went to under, undergrad at uh, St. Gregory's University. It's where her and I met. Um, I currently go to the University of Oklahoma College of Law, and I'm working this summer at the Oklahoma Attorney General's office. Awesome. Anything else? Nothing else is interesting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I feel like that's not true, but okay. <laughs> Okay, so first I want you guys to kind of, well, I don't know. How, first tell me how you met each other and then kind of how you started dating and how you, yeah, that's good for now. <laughs> you want to start? You okay. Um, it was, well, I kind of knew of him. <laughs> I think one of our friends like had known both of us and i think he had sat down to eat lunch with us or something but so i knew of him and mm -hmm. yeah but the first night um where we actually talked was um i was sitting alone in the cafeteria so all of my friends were at dcyc and he saw that i was alone and so he came over and he sat down and apparently that's something he never does because he's a super or introvert. So, yeah. But we, we got talking and, like, he told me his conversion story and I told him my vocation story. And because at the time I was like, yeah, I, I know I'm going to be a religious sister. Like, I'm here. I'm on the vocation scholarship. I'm going to graduate a degree in theology. I'll just use that in a convent somewhere. Um, but we ended up talking for like, I don't know, I say six hours, he says seven, so whatever. Um, and then I, like, I just wanted to keep talking to him. <laughs> and at the end of the night, like, he invited me to go to Whataburger with him. And I was like, you know, inside I was like, I should get sleep. But like, on the inside I was going, that seems way too much like a date. So I'm just going to stay here. <laughs> you know? um, but I just, after that, I went to the chapel that was like on the way to my dorm room and sat down and I looked at the tabernacle and I just said, what the heck, God? Because now there's this great guy that I know. 
Yeah. It seems really awesome. And I don't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about like how you thought you were called to be a nun and kind of like where you were at before you met Austin. Yeah. So I, when I was about 14 years old, I, I felt, <laughs> okay, well, so I was homeschooled, right? So we were mm -hmm. reading in our religion books. There was something about vocations and it said that like sometimes we avoid, uh, like people avoid their vocation because they're afraid. And I got this weird like idea in my head that because I didn't really want to be a sister, I must be called to it, which like isn't real. But um, so I ended up going to my parents on like Christmas day and like telling them, I think like God's calling me to be a religious sister. And they told me like, you don't have to know right now. Like, it's okay, calm down, just like, go through life and see like what you desire. And when I was in high school, I went on um, a nun run where like we visited this uh, Carmelite convent and I just saw the joy of the sisters and I wanted that. And I wanted to be completely Christ. Um, Cause I had like, I had discovered that I could have an intimate relationship with him when I was like about 13. So I had just been growing in that. And um, about my sophomore year in college, uh, I had gone on another nun run and I just felt like, like that's where I needed to be. Like I needed to study theology and I, I desired to like be in a community, um, but mostly I think it was just this desire to be completely Christ and like love people. Yeah. That was at the heart of it. Yeah, so um, that's what I thought the plan was when I went to St. Greg's. And like my dad would put this little bug in my ear like, oh, well, what are you gonna do if like he calls you to marriage? And I'm like, that's not gonna happen. Like I know, like that's not gonna happen, but. You got it. <laughs> Little did you know. <laughs> yeah. So my first semester there when I transferred, um, I I got to know him like halfway through. And at first I was telling all my friends to like not let me spend too much time alone with him and stuff because I was like, I need to pay attention to like discerning this vocation of um, being a religious sister. Like I don't want to get distracted. So at first I was like, he's a distraction. <laughs> um, but yeah, maybe you could jump in with like how, I don't know, your story. Yeah, your how, story. You, how you met Courtney. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, like you said, um, I knew who she was, but we never met. We had similar friends, kind of moved around the same friend circle. Uh, and then one day in the cafeteria, she was sitting by herself, so I sat down and joined her. And then we started talking, and then before we realized, we're the only two left in the cafeteria. Oh, I forgot about that. And then finally, they, they started turning the lights off, so we got the hint we should leave. And so we went, and we kept talking, and I think it was like six or seven hours later, we finally decided to stop. But the first time we met, we talked until middle of the night. Um, 
And she was trying to avoid me. <laughs> her, her intent was to avoid me, but she always failed. I so failed. So, <laughs> like, I'm sure all my friends were like, what is she doing? <laughs> which means I succeeded. Okay, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So, so, um, oh, sorry. Oh, I was just going to ask you, where were you at, like, discernment-wise before you met Courtney? Um, well, I knew I was always called to marriage since I converted. I'm a convert to Catholicism, so I thought about the priesthood like I think every Catholic man does at some point, and nothing. Yeah, I, I've always wanted children and a family, so that was pretty clear to me. I never wavered on that front. Um, but at the time I met Courtney, I was not looking to date anyone at all, hmm. um, because I was graduating in six months. When we started dating, I was six months from graduation, and I had plans to go to a different state, do who knows what. And so that wasn't my intent, but I met her, so then that changed. Hmm. Um, so I tried to get her to go on a date with me, and she wouldn't. Um, so I sort of tricked her into going into a date. Wait, with you me. actually tricked me? <laughs> I thought. Okay. So go ahead. The, the, the plan was for a group of us to go to mass and then to lunch afterwards together, except the only two people of the group that went was her and I. So we went to mass together, then went out to lunch, and I offered to pay. No, the waitress oh. thought we were together, okay. so she gave you the the ticket. So anyways, I paid <laughs> and got upset about that and said, fine, I'm paying next time. To which I said, good, that means there'll be a next time. <laughs> and there was. So um, I kind of asked her to be my girlfriend three times before I got a yes. No, you asked me out. Yeah, three times. Okay. So my tip is persistence. Persistence <laughs> yes. is the key. That's not like the only thing. Remember like the story about us being out like by the bonfire that one night? Yeah. Tell that story. And it, yeah. Tell that story. No, me? You brought it up. Okay, fine. <laughs> um so yeah, I had turned him down once already. So I was like and I told him, it's not because I don't like you. It's because I don't want to like be doing two things at once. Mm -hmm. So he kind of knew that, that I still liked him. It was kind of obvious. Um, and then one night after we had like been two-stepping with friends, um, it was like this uh, university organized bonfire. Um, everyone had left by then. And he was like, we should check on the fire, you know? And I was like, I don't know why he wants me to check on the fire with him, but okay, like, we'll go out there. Um, and we just ended up standing there while it was, like, slowly waning. And he told me that um, he just sort of looked at me and, and he said, uh, you know, I am, like, new to this and, like, new to prayer and everything, but... After I do the liturgy of the hours that night, I like to just sit and listen and see like if God's saying anything to me. And he was like, I keep having this image pop up in my head of you like in a box and I'm supposed to get you out, but I don't really know what that means. And I keep like having the same kinds of dreams 
and it's been happening for like two weeks and I don't know if you know anything about it or if you can like put the pieces together. Um, and he's like, if it's supposed to mean that we should go out or like be in a close relationship, then like I'm open to that. And like, I know you already said you didn't want to go out, but I'm just letting you know this. And I was totally caught by surprise. And I think the first thing I said was, wow. And the second thing I said was, can I trust you? Because like anybody could, you know, say, hey, I had a dream about you. Like we should date. But like I needed to know, like, was this coming from like a place where like this actually happened? Uh, and he just looked at me and he was like, yes, you can trust me. And I just knew like seeing him say that, that I could trust him. And I told him that I needed time because I needed to figure out what it meant. I need to pray about it. I talked to my mom. I talked to my best friends. And I took about a week. And like throughout that time, um, just different, different things kind of pointed out to me that that box was like fear of the unknown. Because um, like I wanted to pursue a relationship with him, but I didn't want to like disrupt disrupt the plans or like who knows what would happen like I remember telling him that night like if I do date you and it ends then like what did we accomplish and like if I do date you and we get married then like it succeeds then what is what are the past like six years of my life mean like why was I discerning religious life and it just seemed like scary to me to mm -hmm. drop all that um and there was this time in prayer where I was like reading, uh, I can't remember which scripture verse it is, but it's the one where um, it says, I am yours and you are mine. It was like at the end of that passage I read and I just got this sense of God telling me like, I will love you no matter the same, no matter what vocation you choose. Mm -hmm. And I had had this time before I even like really had our first conversation together where I like recognized that I was resistant to marriage. And so I just sort of told God like, okay, like if you really would ever want me to do that, like I trust that it would be good and that it'd be like will for me and that I'd be happy. And I think that sort of opened doors and just like, there are several little things that sort of, I don't know, convinced me that I should actually give it a shot rather than just keep saying no, like I had been and trying to deny everything. So yeah, I called him into the, I texted him and I was like, you should meet me in the chapel. This was like the last day of school that semester because mm -hmm. I didn't want to just leave and not have this resolved. Yeah. So I him in the chapel and we sat down and I said, if we do this, we're going to be discerning marriage. Like, this isn't just an experiment to see, like, you know, to say I dated someone before or whatever. Like, if we do this, it's going to be to discern marriage with each other. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I don't even know if this is what I, like, I don't even know if marriage is where I'm supposed to be. Mm -hmm. But if you want to give it a shot, then I want to. And so he was like, yeah, do it. Yeah. <laughs> Want to figure it out from there? 
Uh, sure. So I think after that, obviously, we begin dating. It's exciting. It's new. You're having, going on all sorts of dates and having fun, fun times all, all the time. But then I realized that she still had that same hesitancy she had before we were dating. Hesitancy of still trying to figure out if she's supposed to be in religious life or she's supposed to get married. And that was probably the most difficult hurdle for us to get over. Because it felt as if she had only had like one foot in the relationship and one foot out. Mm. Because she was always like consistently always thinking about just like dropping me and going to discern religious life. And that's what, it, on my perception, that's what it seemed like. That I could just be disposed of at any moment. She had this backup plan right there, ready and set up. Whereas I didn't. She was the only plan I had. So that obviously caused some sense of insecurity with me. Um, but it was a very, like, realized fear. And it wasn't until... Uh, I went to go visit her at a parish where she was teaching Mitos to us, and they had adoration that night, so I was going to go and join them for adoration. And before that, I was talking to one of our mutual friends about the situation, and the best advice I probably ever got in that time was that if you were trying to compete with God, mm. you're going to lose. Mm. Because I mean, from his own personal knowledge, he was able to tell me that very oftentimes young women will romanticize religious life. Because it is, I mean, the religious life for, for nuns, you know, they do feel like they're the they're bride of Christ, that they're marrying Jesus in a real sense, unlike, I think, how men view religious life. Uh, and this is what he was explaining to me. It was a new concept to me until that point. Um, but he says it is a real. It can be a real romanticism. And so, if I'm trying to compete and trying to be the better guy, mm. you know, like you're going down a destructive path. And then I realized that's exactly what I was doing, and um, it caused more difficulty because I would start expressing my frustration. And she would get defensive, and we go back and forth, back and forth, and we never, we weren't making any progress with her discerning her vocation. And so after adoration that night, of course I prayed about it all through adoration. Then afterwards, um, we sat down and talked in the church, and I just said, like, I'm here to get you to where God wants you to be. And once I realized that I wasn't. Like, I wasn't her end goal. God is her end goal, and I'm the instrument to help her get there. And once I understood my role, everything just fell into place from that on. Like, her hesitancy just went away, like, within a week. She, like, knew that she was called to be married. She knew she was wanting to get married to me. It was just a matter of timing, and, I mean, she was still at school. But it was at that point when I realized, like, I'm an instrument to get her to God and that I'm not the end goal. Once I actually realized my role there, everything changed in our relationship. And so that was the biggest challenge and then probably the biggest success we've had since we've known each other. And I think for me, too, it was difficult because I, 
I kind of equated like a spouse in Christ because I was like, okay, well, if I give myself completely to Christ, how am I supposed to give myself completely to a, a, a husband? And like, how is that supposed to work? And who's first? And I think I hadn't realized the proper place of a spouse, which is like a gift from God. Like they're not supposed to be God. Like you can love them mm-hmm. and love God and help one another get to him. Like that's your mutual goal. Um, but yeah, those, those sorts of questions I had to work through. And I think it just took me longer. Um, whereas he was quick. He was like, I know that like, I want to marry you. And that's, that kind of freaked me out. So like to know that he was like, okay, I'm not, I'm not competing against like what God might have for you. I'm like here to, to be, be here for you in that. Mm-hmm. Like discernment it made me just it was a relief to know that and hear him say it so yeah one of the, the good things that i didn't realize at the time but understood more so in hindsight was that god kind of gave me sort of in a private revelation this knowledge that she's the one for you and he let me know that but didn't let her know that <laughs> that caused a lot of frustration but it was something I truly just knew. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that knowledge is what lended itself to my persistence, to like never giving up, being patient with her, going through. I mean, this was like six, seven, eight months. Time yeah. I mean, this, yeah. like, we just told the story in like five minutes, but it was like almost a whole year's worth of, you know, these frustrations, these difficult conversations and uh, being defensive with one another. So, Having that knowledge at the beginning that this is the one, that knowledge came to be very useful in me being persistent and me not giving up on us because she wasn't solidified in her understanding of her vocation for the vast majority of our relationship up until we got married or got engaged. But the fact that I was is what I think kind of held it together until we got to ultimately that point we've just talked about. So it, it's fascinating what God will reveal to us, but not the other. Yeah. Because it was through that struggle that I had to understand my role. And if we've not gone through that struggle, and we've not gone through that, you know, however long it was, a difficult time, I probably wouldn't be able to be for her who I am now. Mm, yeah. Like we, we learned how to love. Like he learned what it meant to love through that. And I learned what it meant to love. It's just like the different ways we had to come to know what yeah. truly loving someone is only through different perspectives. I remember talking with him about it. Like, I don't know, like maybe on a break sometime. I remember talking on the phone about it. So, it was just cool to see how looking back over like a year or so, how God was working on us both. So, yeah. One, one, of the, one of the few things I remember specifically that you had realized at that point was that you always viewed religious life as this vocation of which you just love everyone, you know, through 
the community in the convent or the local community that you're living in, you're just loving everyone. But she understood, like, in marriage, you're not loving as many people, but you're loving one person much further than you ever could. And so it's kind of a, you're, in both vocations, you're called to love and you're called to serve, but it's just in vastly different capacities. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something she had realized roughly about that same time which was very beneficial for us as well. Yeah. So tell me how you got from now you know that you want to marry each other and like tell us how you proposed and how you got engaged. So obviously I knew I wanted to propose to her for a while, but she was still in school at this point. I was living in Oklahoma City. She was living in Atchison, Kansas, which was about six, six and a half hours away. Uh, and we would only be able to see each other like sometimes only once a month. And it'd only be for like a day. And so that was a very difficult six months. Um, but I think that time apart helped. It helped in that whole discernment process. But I knew I wanted to propose to her. It was just a matter of when. And so it was during her graduation when she was graduating from college in Kansas, her dad, who's a pilot, came and picked me up. He left Arkansas, came, picked me up, and then him and I went up to Kansas. And so in the plane, when it was just him and I flying, um, I asked him for his permission. And then that night, her whole family and I were staying in a hotel, and she was staying in her dorm on campus. And so I had everybody there and her not there, I could sort of ask for everybody's blessing and got nothing but good responses. Mm. So that was good, but that was. You have to tell the story about the cheese pizza. Oh, okay. So Courtney's uncle is. He has like a hearing aid in one ear, I think. He's almost completely deaf, from my understanding. I don't know. Um, He has very damaged hearing. And so we were all sitting in this hotel room trying to find what we're going to eat for dinner because Courtney's still back on campus and we're in like the next town over for the night and so we're all looking for where we should go eat and he's scrolling through restaurants and reviews and it finally like everybody quiet down and so I asked no I want to marry Courtney is it okay do I have your blessing to propose to her I don't exactly remember how I worked it but her mom started crying and giving me a hug her brothers are high-fiving me and then her uncle just goes, Casey's Pizza's got four and a half stars. <laughs> he missed the whole thing. He missed the whole thing. He couldn't hear it. He was focusing on his cell phone. That's awesome. That's the whole thing. He was in the room, too. So the rest of that weekend, like through her graduation party and everything, everyone started talking about, let's go into Casey's Pizza. Let's go to Casey Pizza. And she... Never got the joke. She didn't know. So I just thought they were joking because it was a gas station. Like that's funny, right? You go there to celebrate your graduation. I don't know. So it was cool to hear that story afterwards. It was funny. Yeah, that's awesome. Living room light. Yeah. Okay. I'll be right back. So um, that was in May when she graduated, beginning of May. Uh, but I didn't propose to her until I believe the first of August. <coughs> And over the summer, she had graduated. She had moved from Atchison, Kansas, back to Oklahoma City, where she got a job as a youth minister, where oh, she wait. works now. This is really cool. I got 
a job in the same parish as he was going to mass every Sunday. Like, it's crazy how God worked it all out to where I was literally not only in the same city, but I was working in the same place where he went regularly. Yeah. <laughs> like, awesome. yeah. And she was going around for positions to be a youth minister, and she was, like, looking for job postings at a couple parishes in the diocese. I asked her to just go ask the priest because to my knowledge, there wasn't a youth minister. There wasn't one listed in the bulletin. And he got super excited and told her not to work anywhere else. Like on the spot, just like standing wow. out in the hall after mass is what he told her. So That's awesome. <laughs> so yeah, he was like super excited for her to be there. So God sort of really made everything work out. Um, so it was kind of a hectic summer. She graduated. She still had to finish up her senior thesis. Uh, she got a new job. She moved to a different town. Uh, I had started law school that summer, so I was super busy. Uh, and so it wasn't until the end of that summer. Um, August 7th. That's <laughs> um, when I proposed to her. She can tell that story. Okay. <laughs> it's cute. Okay. So I had, it was a Tuesday and I was done with work for the day at like six o'clock. And he's like, oh, I'll just come over there and we'll do evening prayer. And I was like, okay, cause that's, you know, we did that semi-regularly. So it didn't seem like anything got of the ordinary. Um, so we went into the church, we sat down, prayed evening prayer. And then like, usually after we did that, we would sit there for a while and just like pray silently but it was like two seconds and um, he got up. Oh, well before that, I was just like sitting there with him, and, like looking at the tabernacle. Like I just told Jesus like you, him and me like this. I like this, like this is, this feels like the way it's supposed to be. So that was like a cool side note to the story. Um, but he got up and I was like, okay, well I guess we're leaving. Hmm. Um, so I stood up reluctantly got out of my pew and I went to genuflect and turned around and he looked really nervous. <laughs> I didn't get nervous about anything. So um, I had like this thought, oh my goodness, is he going to propose? And then he got down on one knee and it was just really simple. He was like, I think he said, Courtney Elizabeth Neumeyer, will you marry me? And apparently I said, yeah. And then and then yes, I don't remember. <laughs> I just remember saying yes. <laughs> and we're like looking at the tabernacle and like looking at Jesus and being like, okay. And I'm like, yes. But apparently, <laughs> whatever. A little hesitation. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, wait, yes. <laughs> so yeah, then it was just. We got to call everyone's oh goodness, family yeah. and stuff and tell them. And that was, that was exciting. Mm hmm we went out to dinner and just spent time with each other. Yeah. It's nice. So another interesting cool note. So she sort of picked out her ring. Yeah. Like months and months <laughs> prior to this. Um, it was like. It's in January. Yeah, it was in January she picked out her ring. And so this was August that I had proposed. So it had been eight months since she told me like what she wanted. But when we ordered her ring, um, obviously it was expensive. Mm -hmm. But that later in that month, 
when I had filed my tax returns, I got my return back, and to the dollar, it was the cost of her ring. Oh, oh my gosh. Like, the exact amount to the dollar, my tax so returns crazy. was the cost of her ring. And so I was like, well, that's awesome. Like, I, I was going to have to save up, like, you know, a little bit each paycheck. But no, just like all of the money for the ring came at once. And she's like, here you go. That's awesome. So it was just tons of little things like that that just, we always call it like God rolling out the red carpet, just like saying, here you go. Here's everything you need. Yeah. And so he did that a lot that year. Just everything we needed, any problem we thought we were going to have, it just, everything worked perfectly. So. That was really cool. Yeah, that's so awesome. So tell me about like, well, a little bit about your engagement and how that was and then about your wedding and your favorite parts of your wedding. So one of the things about the engagement, it was kind of fun picking everything out. And that was also the most stressful part <laughs> is, you know, what is this wedding going to look like? So once you nail down like a location and a date and a time, you're doing pretty good, but that's not where most of the disputes happen. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. What? When you're trying to decide, I guess, everything that goes into a wedding, and yeah. you get input from every person, close family member or close friend that you know, that everyone's talking, giving you input on, you should do this idea, you should try that, you should order this food, it should have your reception at this place. And so one thing I just learned is that it's your wedding and no one else's. And while that might be selfish, it's true. And because of, throughout the whole engagement process, we were constantly struggling on trying to figure out what would make everyone happy, how would everyone have fun, what would be you know, a cool wedding for people to attend, and we stopped thinking about what do we want our wedding to be like. Yeah. And that's really easy to get caught up in that. Mm. Um, so that's just something I try to constantly remind Courtney of was like this is our wedding, this is your day what do you want? Because that's what matters yeah. I feel like that's where we balanced each other out though because um, yeah he he's more like it, we should focus on what we want and I was like well we, to a certain degree we have to care about like their experience but you're right like I shouldn't let them make the decisions for me. So it was like trying to balance that out. And then, yeah. Also, we make decisions differently. Like, I make decisions slowly and like see all my options. <laughs> He'd like, if he sees three options, he's like, that one's good. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd be like, wait, no, wait. I have to see everything. Um, yeah. But I think that same uncle, the Casey's Pizza uncle, mm-hmm. he was like, uh, he was really encouraging. He had just gotten married too. And occasionally he would send me texts and just be like, Hey, how's the wedding planning going? Like, um, and he would just remind me that we should focus on what makes the day meaningful. Like, like what really matters in the end is that you're married and all those little details, like just don't stress. And so I think that helped me remember to put things in perspective. And uh, whenever we were choosing different things, to, to just like pick what 
would actually make the day meaningful. Mm -hmm. So we're not going to remember like what we ate that day. We're going to remember the bigger things like the readings for our mess mm -hmm. or, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and another thing that I, I'm so glad that we did this. Uh, we did a novena together before like the wedding. Mm -hmm. So like those nine days before. And um, it was one that that uncle had sent me and it was just really, I think it helped us prepare those few days before when it gets really hectic, with all the you know technical logistics and planning. Um, and an opportunity for us to talk about what was ahead. So yeah, that was really cool. That is, that is important. It gave yeah. us time to like right before our wedding to actually talk about what it is we're about to do yeah. instead of worrying about if we got the flowers and the cake mm -hmm. and the the dress is tailored and so worrying about all that stuff we doing that novena like forced us to sit down every day and just pray together about our marriage and just kind of focus on the important parts there right when it was getting most stressful so that was yeah that was definitely something good that we got advised to do yeah okay so tell me like some of your favorite like highlights of your wedding best day ever <laughs> all of it like such like the most joyful day of my life you know just like yeah you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> um for me like because she was you know tucked away back in the room and i'm like out front greeting people as they come in and so I was sort of like socializing and, you know, you meet all your friends and distant relatives and everyone's coming in from town. I mean, we had people from like five or six different states come in to Oklahoma for our wedding. And so to me, I was just out there having fun, socializing, catching up with people. And then about like five or six minutes before it was supposed to start when everybody went into church, started getting nervous. Yeah. <laughs> like when the distractions went away and I realized, oh, that's when I started getting nervous. Um, but it was good. It's great. Well, I, I think my favorite part was definitely like the mass, like the ceremony and everything. But it's such, yeah, just as soon as I saw him and like my dad and I walked in, just like joy and peace just like like flooded and the whole time i just was either like crying or i was smiling super big my brothers were like i've never seen you look so happy ever <laughs> um it just it was it was amazing um to have everybody that we love there like that's such a gift and then to like hear those readings that we picked out that like spoke about like our goals in marriage, um, the homily and like like Father Boniface accidentally quoted JP two, which is like yes, I was going to say tell tell them about like the like how JP two is like the patron saint of your marriage, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I think the first thing that I noticed was like a little bit into our uh, dating, I think this was even 
a couple weeks into dating, he got this book, um, and it had different saints from or different quotes from saints in it. And one of them was from JP two, and it was actually the quote that we put in our program for the wedding. Hopefully, I can remember it correctly. But the first, like the entire time we were dating, like everywhere we went, there was a poster of JP2, there was a picture, there was a quote, there was one of his books or encyclicals. Everywhere we went. Mm. And it's just like, I never noticed any of this stuff before. I mean, we went to a Catholic university, but there was one time we went to a bar downtown Oklahoma City, and I look up, and on a pillar in the middle of the bar is a photograph of JP2. <laughs> it was an Irish pub, and we had a picture of JP2 on the wall. Nothing else Catholic in the entire bar, but just right there at eye level, right where we could see it. And it was just like, I got kind of creeped out for a little while. She thought it was really neat. I, started was, I knew creep. about St. Stocking already, so I wasn't creeped out. But, yeah. Yeah. but the quote just like, at first I was like, oh, it's a quote by JP2. And it was just like one of those little signs like that he was with us. And then the more and more we grew in relationship, the more the content of that mm. actually applied to everything. Because it's basically saying, um, don't be afraid of the sacrifice it takes to love, of what love demands. Um, so yeah, in those moments. Of what love demands, I think, is what it is. Yeah. yeah. So, like, don't, like, whenever things do get hard and you don't have those feelings, when you choose love and you choose the other person before you, um, or just when it's really difficult, that's where it matters most. And that's like where God gives you that grace. So yeah, that was just super cool. And then I like over the summer one time we tried to read theology of the body together, which was fun. <laughs> like we're so different and think about things and like through like different processes. So we could add things that the other person would think of. But it's a huge book. We did not get all the way through it. But it was cool what, whatever we read. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Okay. Um, any, any other stories about your wedding that you want to tell? Oh, wait. I have a story. Okay. It's kind of like... Because I had been doing this devotional for Lent, and mm -hmm. our wedding was in the middle of Lent, so. It was the first week of Lent. Well, Anyways. I guess so. Yeah, you're right. It was like a week into Lent. Um, and the devotional was a Blessed Is She one, and it was like titled To the End mm -hmm. from the, a verse in John. I think it's chapter 11, but it's how like, Christ loved us to the end, to the ultimate sacrifice on the cross. And so Fia was the one who gave a toast, like at our reception, and she ended it with the words, till the end. And just to have those two things parallel, like she had no idea what she was like, that that would make that connection with me. But it was cool because during that, that devotional, I had been and like I want to love like Christ loves um, to the end and to have her say that was just like so cool like such a cool connection like yeah. encouraging us to love to the end and that's kind of cool yeah that's awesome 
cool. Okay, well, tell me about marriage and how it's been. You guys have been married for how many months now? Almost three. Yeah. Almost three. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, still a few days. Long and short. <laughs> you wanna you wanna start? So I guess I we can do highs and lows. Okay. Let's yeah. So, uh, so the highs of being married is that we no longer have to say goodbye at the end of the day. So good. <laughs> that was getting to be really annoying. <laughs> oh, I gotta go home now. Or it's like now we just go in the next room and we go to bed. So yeah. it's it's nice that we don't have to say goodbye anymore. It's nice that we start and end every day together, even though sometimes some days is the only time of the day we get together, because um, we are so busy and we're running on different schedules. Um, it's always a blessing. It's always a high to like get to begin and end your day together. Mm. Um, it's also kind of nice to like divide chores. You only have half the responsibilities. <laughs> but you have each, like, we take on each other's responsibilities, but then we, like, divide and conquer. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, like, more but less. Yeah. And another thing, I don't know if this is really a low, but sometimes it can be. We take on each other's frustrations. So, like, when she's having a good day, I'm having a good day. But when I'm having a bad day, she's having because we, yeah. we take on each other's frustrations with, you know, if it's work, if it's school, if it's, you know, whatever it is, we take on each other's joys and burdens together. And so sometimes that can be difficult, but it's always, I think, a good thing because we're doing it together. Like you're not alone, you're not carrying a burden or celebrating something by yourself. We always do it together now. So that's whether it could be a high or a low, but when I it's think, a low, sometimes it's like, man. I think it, yeah, like, I mean, in a sense, it can be a low because like, a bad attitude can run on another person. Yeah. But, but I think, I think whenever he's having a bad day, I like to join him in like the frustration. And then once like we get, we like talk through stuff. And it's like ah, oh, like we're here together, and like, like we just needed to come home to each other, and then it's a lot better. You know, we just enjoy time. And it's... I think one of the other difficulties is we're both introverts. We both really value our alone time. Mm. Like we love spending time together, but we also want to spend time alone sometimes. And so sometimes she wants to be alone, and I don't. And vice versa, because we run on different schedules, and so sometimes that's like I just like want to sit on the balcony and just be my own self, listen to music, and she wants attention. She wants me to like go hang out with her, watch a movie with her, or whatever. <laughs> and so sometimes you just like you know gets in a situation where you can't have both, so. Yeah, I just, yeah, I think I, I'm bad at recognizing when I need to be by myself, though. 
So it's good when he's like, I, I'm going to like go do this. <laughs> yeah. Then I need to go if you want to. So, yeah. But she values sleep very, very much. So I've learned to just have my long time in the mornings. I just wake up <laughs> earlier and have my coffee by myself and she sleeps and everybody's happy. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Courtney, what's your high? Mm, I, I don't like copying, but I think it's, it'd probably be the same thing. Like being able to come home to each other at the end of the day. Um, just being able to do life together. Like that's my favorite thing every day. Like I love what I'm doing with my job and everything, but yeah, just to be able to live life with him is like my favorite thing so far. Yeah. Um, and then like a low, I think for me, it's like the difficulties of communicating expectations for each other. Mm. Um, and cause like, if I am like, okay, well this is my plan tomorrow and I know it in my head and I like expect him to like do this certain thing, but I don't tell him. And then he expects me to do something and he doesn't know that I expected that something of him. And it just starts an argument. So we're like, well, I didn't know. Um, so learning to like communicate all those little things. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, that's always been something I have continuously had to work on because I'm very, I'm used to holding things in and not telling people stuff. Um, so, um, yeah, getting used to that. And then also I get, I can get defensive sometimes. And, you know, it's like these little things that you learn through being in relationship with each other where it's mm -hmm. like, oh, I need to work on that. Yeah. You know? Like yeah. God just sort of brings those things to the surface. Like, okay, um, let me teach you here. You know, be gentle with yourself, but yeah, also be aware of this and, and how you can love that person better. But that's also the joy of being married, I think. Being able to figure out how to love that person better and like adjusting to that and growing through that. That's what I love. Like, that's just... That's what it is. It's a school of love, right? So. Yeah, harking back on the expectations thing, you learn that nothing is obvious in marriage. Mm. Because what you think is obvious, other people mm. don't. And so when you have an expectation of someone to just like understand that this is how that works or this is what you expected this thing to go, and you just take it for granted, you just take it for obvious because maybe that's the way your parents did it. And that's just how it's done someone comes in and does it totally differently or not or doesn't do it at all because they didn't know it needed to be done i mean it, it's little things like that you like you learn how to communicate the most simplest things yeah hmm. and yeah that was definitely something we, we kind of learned the, the hard way but we're still learning yeah <laughs> Um, what is some of the best advice that you've ever received about dating or marriage or discernment or, yeah, any of the above? So when we got married, my aunt gave us a unique gift. 
And her gift to us was a letter of advice that she had learned over her life. That's so awesome. And one of the things that I noticed in that letter that really stuck out that I'd never heard anywhere else before was simply don't ever ridicule your spouse in front of other people. Hmm. Like the person who goes to work and starts talking about how their spouse is lazy or how, you know, know, whatever, fill in the blank. Those are the people that like never get promoted. They never, you know, get trusted with vital information because this is your life partner and you get out of their absence and you start ridiculing them in public. And that's just, that's always going to be a bad thing. and No one should ever do it. Now, if you have to vent to a close friend, do it in private and confidence. Like that's understandable. But if you're just like in public, like at work, just ripping on your spouse, that's, it comes off really bad. Yeah. And I had never noticed it until I read that letter. And then I started noticing people doing it. Like at social gatherings. And then now it just kind of rubs me the wrong way. And, it's it's something I'm always conscious to not do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think especially like if you tend to be passive aggressive, then you can sort of take it out <laughs> on them by talking to another person about it. Yeah, you know. So yeah, it's good advice. Yeah. Um, I think I've learned, uh, at least for me a good piece of marriage advice from watching my parents grow the past few years and just growing in relationship with Austin is to always communicate. Like if you have a plan, if you have a need, if you have a desire, if you have um, an expectation about something, like just talk about it. If you, if you are hurt, you know, tell them, talk through it. Um, yeah, that's how you're going to avoid a lot of conflict, and that's how you're going to grow in closeness. Just think about, like, we can't know anyone without communicating with them. Like, even in prayer, that's what we're doing with God. Like, that's how we come to know him. Um, so, yeah, communicate. Yeah, not always the best, but definitely something I remind myself of often. Um, and then with vocations, uh, I, I'd had this advice before when I was younger, but I don't think I'd ever uh, realized how important it was until I was discerning myself like more seriously. Um, is just don't stress out about where God's calling you or if you're missing his voice or when our things are going to happen, just stay close to him and grow in your vocation to holiness as we all are. Because if you're seeking God, he's not going to leave you stranded. He's going to show you where he wants you to go. Um, And if you're really seeking his will, then he's going to point you in the right direction. So it's not like some abstract thing that like you might miss because of one one little, you know, time in prayer where you're distracted or something. Um, yeah. I think I stressed way too much about it growing up. And 
all I had to do was just trust God. And like, really, when you find your vocation, that's the beginning of something. That's not like, you know, it's not just like the end. Like, oh my goodness, I did it. Success. I mean, in a sense, it is like that. But mm -hmm. yeah. kind of piggybacking on that, there's like this very popular notion that marriage is like the capstone of adulthood. You go to college, you pursue a career, you enter that field, you work your way up the ladder, you, you know, get this huge salary, you become the boss, you're really successful, and now you try to find someone to settle down with and get married. And it's just like, you've been selfish your whole life, focusing on yourself, focusing on your own success, focusing on your own achievement, and now you're trying to merge a completed life with someone else who's probably been in the same boat, another completed life. And there's going to be so many difficulties there. But honestly, I've learned that like marriage isn't the capstone of adulthood. It's the foundation. Mm -hmm. It's the beginning. And then you grow throughout adulthood with someone so much that you're like intertwined and you can't separate. Yeah. Her achievements become mine. And, you know, my successes, my raise, my promotion becomes hers. And it's, you're growing together to a completed life together, not separate. Yeah. It's just something I see so often in like society of people waiting until they're like in their thirties, mid to late thirties, before they you know want to get married, and that's sad. Like it's like honestly to me sad because they're missing so much. Mm. I didn't want to wait until he was out of school because like I want to be able to do that with him. You know, yeah, and go through it together. Don't be alone. If you know that like you want to get married. I wait until things are settled and you can go through them again. Because honestly, the most beneficial things that can come in your marriage will be the struggles you endure together. Mm -hmm. Because anyone can ride like the success train with you. Anyone. But only a few people will go through the difficulties with you. Yeah. Wow. So beautiful. like honestly, my advice get married as soon as you can because all you're doing is depriving yourself of joys and happiness that you don't realize is there. Mm. So, yeah. And I think the most important piece of advice is pray with your spouse. Mm. Even if they're not your spouse yet, you know, pray while you're dating. Yeah. It's, that's the best thing you can do. Yeah. And we've sucked at it sometimes, so yeah. it's okay if you're not perfect. Just get back up and be like, hey, we should start doing that. And yeah. we should, like, this situation changed, so let's try this time, or you know, this kind of prayer or like at one point we even wrote our own prayer and we just like say it because it took like two minutes when we were tired at the end of a long day. Like it was something that we were doing to stay connected through prayer. So yeah, just do yeah. something, even if it's little. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, okay. So to wrap up, um, tell me like your favorite, one of your, I mean, I'm sure there's lots of favorite things, but one of your favorite things about each other. Me? Yeah. Okay. Um, I've always said that one of my favorite things about Austin is his perseverance. We all know he's persistent by now, but uh, <laughs> in through difficulties, through even when things are looking down, um, even when something's really difficult, but he knows it's worth it. Uh, he keeps going. Um, 
And I, I don't think I'd ever really had a lot of opportunities to be in that situation growing up. Um, and so when I, when I saw failure in myself or in my attempts to do something, I just wanted to give up. Like I was so discouraged. Um, and so I love that I have that constant example in him because I can look at how much he perseveres um, and choose to keep going even through the difficult times. Um, yeah, that's, that's like an anchor for me. And then I just love that we have really good conversations. Mm -hmm. I love just talking about anything. Like we could go like on and on about some random like philosophical, theological, whatever thing. And yeah, that was like one of the first things that attracted me to him was that we could, we like arrived at the same conclusions um, about these things that we had the same values, but we came at them from different perspectives. And I could always like gain something and learn something and give something when we would talk about, about things. So. Mm, wow. That's awesome. So probably one of my favorite things about her is how genuine she is. Mm. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just know. It's so hard to describe. It's like the best way I've been able to describe it. Yeah. But you will not get a courtesy laugh to a bad joke from her. You have to earn her laugh. What? Well, That's something I've learned. I'm a people pleaser too, so sometimes that might give you a courtesy like, There's just like <laughs> nothing artificial. Like, I don't know. So many people, like, they put up a facade, they put up a wall, they put up this presentation of what they believe you want to see, and she doesn't do mm -hmm. that. Yeah. I mean, you see her and, like, her pure sense all the time. Yeah. And it's just, it was such a breath of fresh air because so many people don't do that. They just have this idea of what everybody wants to see, what they want to hear, what they want to be told, and she doesn't do that. She's just her. And she tries to please people, but she will like never do it in a way that betrays her own genuineness. She'll never do it in an artificial fashion. And to me, that's really unique. So, yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you guys <laughs> for you. being on here and sharing your story. You guys are so awesome. You have no idea. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> You're awesome too, pretty.